Utah and the rest of the country are dealing with COVID-19, and that means the online scams can't be far behind. We're going to talk about that next on the Cyber24 podcast presented by Valcom. All right, welcome in everyone to another edition of the Cyber24 podcast presented by Valcom. I'm your host, Marty Carpenter, joined today by Masi, the Chief Information Officer for the State of Utah, also the Executive Director of the Department of Technology Services, and his right-hand man, Phil Bates, the Chief Information Security Officer for the State of Utah. Guys, thanks for joining me. Thank you, Marty. Thanks for I, having us. I feel like I'm Phil's right-hand man when it comes to these security. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking at it right now, and based on where you're sitting, uh, <laughs> he is, in fact, you're his right-hand man. Uh, we should mention to our listeners uh, that this is the first time we've done one of these uh, under new social distancing norms, at least many of us are. I can see Mike and I can see Phil sitting next to each other. We'll say it's generously the, the right amount of distance apart. Don't call <laughs> each other. Uh, I'm, I'm coming remotely from, uh, from my bunker in Davis County. And uh, boy, what a crazy week we've had for people who are uh, joining us. And, and depending on when this drops, you'll at least have some frame of reference as to when we're recording this. Uh, we have had, like the rest of the country, the COVID-19 situation escalate to uh, from, hey, wash your hands and don't cough on people to stay home to kids stay home from school, to social distancing, to essentially quarantine yourselves. Uh, and uh, in, along with that, we had a la- second largest, er- or the largest earthquake in our state since 1992, a 5.7 uh, earthquake that hit. And this week's a blur. Did it hit Tuesday? Did we have the, or it was Tuesday, right? Uh, Wednesday. What? Wednesday. Wow. Was it Wednesday? Hey, anytime you... Anytime you can work all week in your pajamas and there's an earthquake, it doesn't matter which day. You just know that that week was one to remember, even if not in the specifics. So I guess I would start with this to you guys. How have things changed for you? I mean, Mike, you run an entire um, department of the state government. How, how um, have things changed for your department and how quickly were, were state employees able to sort of mobilize and, and adjust to a life of working remotely? Yeah, that's a that's a great question, Marty. It, it was interesting because we were already prepping to get our folks working from home, not just DTS employees, but all state employees and empowering them uh, to be able to have the exact same experience that they had as if they were in the work workplace to have that remotely. And so the, the COVID-19 uh, challenge has was kind of positioning for that already. And so we were we were uh, reprovisioning laptops. We we were taking laptops that we were going to send a surplus, getting them out to our employees. We were getting folks, um, and again, able to work from home. We had to grow our VPN pools. We were uh, had to shift to some different technologies, and we were having folks work around the clock uh, just because of this. And and we had some great response uh, to the COVID nineteen issue. Well, and then you top that off with a with an earthquake and uh, a lot of times it was interesting we had a couple of facilities where folks were at work trying to respond to the COVID-19 issues and uh, due to the earthquake they had to evacuate the buildings and then they would not let them back in to retrieve their laptops to go home and work so we had a little challenge because we could not uh, guarantee the safety of the building in in some of these spaces and so that that was a challenge getting folks home being able to work and uh, and some even on personal devices uh, where they weren't touching uh, kind of regulated data that was uh, that was helpful that the folks had the ability to do that um, so we we actually had our COVID nineteen call center that was uh, we were using. 
that uh, was not able to be certified. So we had to move that to a new location and uh, stand up a new phone number, doing all of these responsive things um, that normally we wouldn't have to deal with with just a pandemic. <laughs> so. Yeah, and, I, and it's worth mentioning that this all comes like right on the tail end of the legislative session, which for most people on Capitol Hill is sort of a two or three day period to just sort of take a breath, <laughs> take a beat, maybe take a day off before you kind of get back into the swing of things and, and didn't have that happen. So the hats off to the way uh, you guys were able to respond to that. I, I, the way I kind of, I, I know that there's shared concern for both of you that, that uh, things that are important to Phil, important to Mike and things that are important to Mike are important to Phil. But to, to put it basically, Mike, I, your first focus was, all right, how do we make state government work remotely? And while Mike's thinking about that, Phil, you're probably thinking, how do we make sure that we don't expose everything that we're doing to online cyber criminals, hackers, what have you, while we're trying to suddenly get uh, as many of these employees as we can up to speed and working remotely. So maybe you could just walk me through some of the security issues you were dealing with. Yeah, in fact, one thing that's kind of interesting, about three to four weeks ago, um, as states have been doing this, trying to enable their workforces to work remotely, we've seen an uptick in the scanning on our infrastructure, looking for holes in that remote access that we're allowing the, the employees to use. So we've been averaging 1.2 billion scans a day, different attempts to see what's going on here. And we've been pushing up against 2 billion in the last couple of weeks without it coming down. So there's definitely interest out there from the people that we're trying to protect against to look for different holes that are open because of what we're allowing to happen here. Yeah. Did you have to take measures to um, augment that security because people are working earlier or is sort of what you had in place just being tested and, and proved to be uh, sufficient and, and strong enough to keep them away? Um, so we're adding new pieces of equipment and different technologies to help with that because the volume is just getting through the roof. So yeah. we'd already been looking at this stuff. We're just having to implement on a quicker schedule than we thought. Notice yeah. he's very big. <laughs> well, I didn't want you to tell me like exactly. which product you bought and which one you plugged in and, and so on to make it work that way. Um, uh, so I, I, I'm sure you guys have both seen the thing, the, the meme that's popped up around social media lately, which is, I guess we're going to finally find out which meetings really could have been emails. Uh, is this, do you think this will be, if not a, 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 a permanent tipping point, but at least an accelerator for remote work. It sort of forces everyone to test it out and go, hey, this is actually better or I like this better. And I, I just wonder like, what's the uh, accelerating factor of this? Like what, how does this change work life um, permanently going forward, even after, you know, another two to eight weeks where we can all kind of come back out of hiding? Well, that's interesting, Marty, because prior to even the COVID-19 issue that we were dealing with, the Lieutenant Governor had this telework initiative that we were focused on and trying to get folks able to work from home. That would reduce the demand to build more state buildings. It reduces the uh, congestion on the roadways if we can get people working from home, which uh, also provides some cleaner air for our folks. So there were a lot of things already in play from the Lieutenant Governor trying to drive some of these initiatives. Now, again, we, you know, we we're kind of trying to do it strategically. Okay, let's take this group, let's send them home because you know, they have the, the largest constraint uh, with regard to, to office space. So let's work on this particular group. And all of a sudden where you had to do it 
across the board overnight. I mean, that really changed the, the, how quickly you needed to do this. But what we found is, yeah, we're making it work. And so that, that initiative early on, I think, will stick down the road. I, I think it's going to provide some recruitment opportunities for the state if we're teleworking, uh, which in the past we haven't been able to take advantage of. So just the, the structure that we were in and, and how to manage um, folks in their, in their work, how, how to do that differently. Instead of uh, managing a butt in a chair, you're actually managing, um, can I say that by the way? Yeah, you can say that. I think that's, <laughs> uh, that's a colloquialism. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I should have. <laughs> No, so you're managing uh, a different way, and you know you're you're not trying to manage uh, how many lines of code somebody's writing, but you're actually looking more in depth of really what what's their output. And so those are some of the challenges we were dealing with. That again, overnight we were it was pushed on us, and now I feel like we've we've figured out a lot of these things out very quickly. So I think yeah. down the road, this will be the the future that we're in. Do you feel like you're there now? I mean, we're sort of a week into it, or do you, are there still some growing pains and, and issues you've got to, to sort out over the next, uh, you know, next couple of weeks if this rolls on? I, I think we're, we're in a good place, but I think there's still a lot to figure out still. Um, and, and we're learning every day. Yeah. We're doing a, a big conference call with all of our leadership every day. And, and there are things coming up every day that we're getting better at. Yeah. That, and that's, you know how to how to do this more quickly and more iteratively. Uh, we're finding that we are um, we are learning things, but we're also responding more quickly than we used to in the past. So it's just it's uh, it's really been kind of refreshing to see the transformation that's happened in the organization. Yeah, well, interesting stuff, and uh, my hats off to uh, both of you for the way you uh, were able to make that seamless transition from not only a technology standpoint and a security standpoint and uh, you know, two billion plus scans a day trying to find a vulnerability. That's that's uh, not a small number. And uh, so keep up the good fight on on that front. We'll take a quick break and come back right after this with more on the Cyber24 podcast presented by Valcom. Allowing your employees to bring in their own devices is like allowing them to bring in a security time bomb to your workplace. So how do you take the burden of onboarding so many new devices off your IT department without sacrificing security or policy enforcement. Look no further than Aruba ClearPass. ClearPass allows you to safely connect business and personal devices to your network in compliance with your security policies. It allows you to allocate access to devices based on users' roles, device type, and cybersecurity posture. At Valcom, they're all about saving you time while still protecting your privacy. Dismantle your time bombs at vlcmtech.com slash clearpass. That's vlcmtech.com slash clearpass. You know, I've yet to meet an IT professional who loves waiting hour upon hour to diagnose the problem with your server. They just don't care for it. The good news is they don't have to. Hewlett Packard Enterprise's new info site for servers provides continuous proactive health monitoring and recording for thousands of system parameters 24-7 right on the server. InfoSight then derives insights from the behaviors of the install base to provide recommendations to resolve problems and improve performance. It learns as it goes. Let Valcom help you not only save time, but also your sanity by visiting vlcmtech.com servers. That's vlcmtech.com servers. 
This season of Cyber 24 is presented by our friends at Valcom. Valcom is a Utah-based IT solutions and service provider with the drive for getting IT right. From ironclad security to computing and beyond, Valcom's 35 plus years means they have experience and expertise to help your business from desktop to the data center. At Valcom, you get much more than just a dedicated IT retailer. They actually become an extension of your IT team. Whether you're a startup or an enterprise, Valcom has the technical sales and engineering expertise to make your business more effective and productive. Check them out, vlcmtech.com, to learn more about Valcom's end-to-end solutions, the technology vendors they partner with, and so much more. That's vlcmtech.com. All right, welcome back. Cyber 24 podcast presented by Valcom. Uh, Marty Carpenter, your host, from uh, coming from my bunker in Davis County, from my home office, another way to put it. Uh, Mike Hussey and Phil Bates joining us from uh, their offices in the state office building. Um, the, the only two who aren't working remotely, I guess. <laughs> so, somehow, I felt that way a lot this week, that it felt like everybody else, especially the first couple of days when schools had sort of a couple of days off before they were going to send you something or send some work for your kids. It sort of felt like everybody was on spring break, but I'm still getting up to go to meetings or at least come into the office and, and work. And it just, it just never seems fair. But it reminds me of time in state government, especially this time of year when the legislative session ends and all the excitement kind of leaves the Capitol and the executive branch is still stuck in school <laughs> whether or not to sign bills. So it's just a, a reminder of that. Hey, with all of this going on um, from the COVID-19 stuff and even I guess to some extent with the, the earthquake stuff, being very local, but the COVID-19 stuff being much broader. Uh, you've got a disruption in routine. Uh, you've got workers now working from home, like we discussed last segment. Uh, and you have, uh, you know, people looking for information and on their devices a little more, well, uh, perhaps a lot more frequently if they're just home with Netflix going and, and uh, scrolling through Instagram or something. And that usually means that the scammers aren't far behind and they mobilize pretty quickly. So I'm wondering, uh, what have you guys seen so far as far as uh, how the bad guys have uh, shifted into high gear to try to take advantage of, uh, whether it's a disruption in routine that has people off, uh, or just an interest in more information related to COVID-19, or remedies, or health uh, you know, changes, anything like that. What, what have you seen? So what we're seeing in our state and other states is... Um any phrase related to that COVID that they can make it sound interesting to get your attention into that email and click through it. And generally in that email, we're seeing them either attaching a document that will have a malicious payload that drops in on your machine. And most of the time with those, they're looking to ransomware the machine so they can encrypt the machine and then demand payment to give you keys to get the machine back. The other thing we're seeing is they'll try to redirect you to a website that looks like it will have information you need um, and because they're remote workers one of them they're trying is like you're disconnected from the workforce and so they're sending you things that look like it's coming from your your employer like a policy's been updated because of remote work or something yeah. like that click here and we'll give it to you and when you click there and log in they get your credentials and then with those credentials they try to do things um, interesting a lot of people use the same password on banking and things like that. And they'll try all kinds of combinations out there trying to find that and exploit what they can with it. So yeah. um, anything that looks, 
that it's not coming from a sender that you know, be very, very suspicious of. Don't click links, don't open things. Um, if it looks too good, it's probably too good. These, they're gonna make it look really, really good these days. Yeah. What kind of uh, reminders have you, uh, or, or maybe refreshers uh, uh, on the training that your state employees have had, have you sent out, uh, or are you looking to send out to make sure that they're a little more hyper aware of these types of things? So just this last week, we've got probably five or six examples of these that have come into us and other states, and we're sending those out to our users so that they know what verbiage to look for and what that layout kind of looks like. Yeah, interesting. So anything related to COVID-19, are these, this would include like, um, I, I, I would imagine there's, they're also trying to not just copy like what the employers are saying, but sending out alerts and things related to um, Centers for Disease Control or the World Health Organization or anything like that. Those are types of things we need to be vigilant about. Yeah. And, you know, we, we saw one last night that was kind of interesting. Um, and a hospital in Czechoslovakia was uh, ransomware. Most of the machines were ransomware in the, the hospital. And there was a huge cry from people in social media that these guys should back off and give the keys and let these guys get back to work with COVID-19. And I think they might do that, which would be un unusual. And there's also a, um, amongst that group a call to stop hitting health de departments and hospitals with this COVID-19. So it sounds like even they're trying to kick in and help out here through the yeah. crisis. Hey, you know, you know the world's come together when yeah. security <laughs> experts and hackers can join hands and just That's say, true. hey, maybe, maybe during a pandemic, uh, don't take advantage of this particular Let's call a truce for a day or two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I guess that's um, oddly heartwarming. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> So emails that, that are getting advice on health, um, workplace policy emails. Um, what about, the, I, I think back through discussions we've had about this before where, um, you know, someone sort of imitating the CEO or someone with purchasing authority that might send something to um, a, a subordinate uh, in the organization to say, hey, go ahead and authorize this or make this change. Um, are, do, is that something that we need to be vigilant about even even more we so? Are just thinking it. that these employees maybe can't get up and go walk over and ask somebody as easily as they could have before. And we are seeing an uptick of those as well. And a lot of folks know that we are in emergency procurement rules uh, right now. And so they know, oh, well, maybe the state is willing to to drop their guard on this. So they're they're pretending to be the CEO or a, a head of an agency trying to procure something and trying to push it through under these emer emergency rules that we're operating under right now. And so they're, they're trying to just about every angle they can out there. Um, luckily we have some good measures in place to counter that, but um, still you're starting to see that kind of response as well from the, the hacker community. And sending yeah. invoices, pretending to be another company and trying to get payments sent to them and it, all that usual stuff is coming in in waves now. Yeah. So you've kind of got this weird balance to strike then that you want people to quickly adjust to working remotely. Uh, you want them to try to still be productive, even though I think everyone sort of understands we're going to be a little, there's going to be an adjustment period to that. And then also ask them that also take a, take a beat when you get an email and, and really think about whether or not it's accurate. Uh, it's, it's coming from a reliable source before you would um, go ahead and take action on that it's it's there's a lot of challenges that go with this i i, I it's just, it, 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 people don't think of and i and i i wonder are you seeing um 
I, I'm not trying to like bag on on boomers or anything here, but are you seeing like it that it's easier for some parts of your workforce to adjust to this than others? Or is there a breakdown in that, or does that just make you get <laughs> puts you on the wrong side of a, <laughs> a talking point? I get it, but I guess that not everyone's adapting to this. Maybe it's not broken down by age or anything, but for some who are going to adapt to these changes better than others. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's it. Almost goes without saying that you know everybody gets used to a particular way of doing their job, and then when you change the way that they do their job, it's sometimes a little more challenging to make that transition. Just from those that are are maybe digital natives versus those that are not, and so yeah, it's been a, a little more challenging. And so those that are not digital natives maybe are are taking advantage of some of this or being taken advantage of by some of these uh, tactics that are out there just simply because they're not used to this new way of doing things. And yet the, uh, the digital natives are, are, are more responsive. It seems like they're, they've grown up with this technology. They know what, what to look for. They know the bad guys. They maybe even had some, some bad things happen to them. And so they, you know, they once bitten twice shy kind of an attitude. And so I think that is really kind of starting to, to see that in the workplace. And so it's, it, it is challenging to make these adjustments as you call them. Uh, but I think we'll get there, but also we have to find the right way to do it with the right employees. You know, in areas where it's voluntary, you will see the boomers jump at it a lot faster than the older folks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what uh, you guys have done such a great job of helping the state transition in this way and, you know, did such a tremendous amount of work ahead of time to prepare for this for businesses that are feeling growing pains associated with this kind of transition to their workforce going online quickly. Is there anything that you would just a nugget of advice or some things that you would want to share with them to say, Hey, we know this can be difficult, but here are some things we've learned as we've either prepared for it or then had to go through it. No, uh, it's, it's somewhere I heard every Corona needs its lime or something gets its lime. Something like that. <laughs> really, instead of a nugget, you're looking for a lime, I guess. Looking for a lime. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Uh, um, that's great. I, I would say to, to shore up your cyber awareness training early. And, and then when you get into these kinds of situations, you've already made those preparations. Um, you have a continuing a coup plan uh, that you probably should dust off every so often and exercise that, have a tabletop exercise. These are the kinds of things that um, will prepare you for this. Uh, I'm not saying that, you know, now what do I do haven't, since I haven't done that, um, I would still say that you can do that even in the midst of these kinds of pandemics or, or um, emergency operation situations. So do that even in those fronts and, and get the word out and be communicative um, maybe overly so to to make sure that the employees feel that they're they're still connected even though they're remote. Yeah, and a big thing with security is um, in an organization. A lot of times you kind of build a fortress around your business, and those assets inside sit behind that moat. When you send them home, they don't have that anymore. So it's it's vital that you make sure that those endpoints have their antivirus on, that it's updated, and a way to monitor that. Uh, that's kind of critical that those are now going to have to build their own moat out there and be able to survive in that open area by themselves. Yeah. So what I'm hearing then is there's been a disruption in the normal routine. And as businesses are rushing to maintain some level of productivity and help their workforces work remotely, take a beat and make sure your security measures are in place. 
um, that that sort of becomes, even though it's in an emergency-ish situation, it's the ounce of prevention that can prevent uh, the, the really big problem from happening uh, yeah. down the road. Yeah. Uh, guys, I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Mike Hussey and Phil Bates from the Utah Department of Technology Services. Thanks so much for joining us uh, remotely. Uh, keep up the good work. We appreciate it. Thank, Thank you, Marty. Cyber 24 is supported by the Utah Department of Public Safety, as well as the Utah Department of Technology Services and the Utah Attorney General's Office. In addition, the University of Utah's Chem C. Gardner Policy Institute is where we record this podcast each week. At the Chem C. Gardner Policy Institute, they're dedicated to helping Utah make informed decisions. We're also proud to have the support of Secuvant, a Utah-based company providing business-enabled cyber risk and management. Every week on this program, these great partners will provide expertise and insight to help business and civic leaders better understand the challenge of cybersecurity and how to keep your organization safe. We appreciate your support.